Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea and Daniel. Hello. Hello. And we're doing this on the fly. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I doing this on the fly. I'm hyper today. Oh, okay. I like it. <laughs> um, okay. I have a question. Okay. Start us off. Guys, normally we get a chance to ask these questions before it's on. <laughs> Not this time. Here we are, live and in person. Um, I... on, a, on a podcast that was recorded <laughs> earlier. <laughs> I I have questions about... Jesus and mm, same <laughs> you and most of the world, in fact, <laughs> and amounts of faith because we talked about it yesterday. Uh oh. Um. So the disciples did not have enough faith to cast out like the level twenty six demon or whatever. Like, <laughs> is this is this like the boss, the the level <laughs> boss? Yeah. You have reached <laughs> the most wicked demon. <laughs> it feels like that. Um, Jesus like, this kind of demon requires fasting and prayer. Um, it's other versions say fasting. I didn't just yeah. look that up. Look at this NLT, skipping fasting. Um, so what's up with that? Why, why didn't they have enough faith? What's up with that? Am I wrong when I say yesterday that like our faith can't determine God's will or whatever I said? I said better than that, I think. <laughs> I do wonder if one, of, if it's one of those crazy, um, what do you call that? Where like both are true. Mm. Like, are we called to deeper levels of faith? Yes, definitely. Absolutely. Um, Jesus ties this particular thing to prayer and fasting. So not only is it faith, it's also discipline. Um, and is it also possible that we could have incredible levels of faith and discipline and still not accomplish what we are hoping to accomplish? Yes. Also, yes. Mm. I don't know. Are you talking about the, sorry, the disciples, like, not having, is that what you're saying? That, yeah, that they couldn't cast out the, the boss demon. <laughs> yeah. Well, in one of the versions, it said, I can't remember which book, sorry, one of the books, um, said that because they didn't pray. Yeah. Did you catch right. that one? Yeah. So, yeah. like, that made me wonder, like, were they just trying to do it in their own strength? I mean, we see that they also, like... In some of the portion that we were reading, they were arguing about who's the greatest and that kind of thing. Like maybe they were just trying to cast out a demon with their own ego <laughs> yeah. and not through the power of God. I well, I think it kind of hints that a little bit because, I mean, Jesus comes down and t- calls his disciples corrupt and faithless. Yeah. And this is just after the transfiguration. He might be a little tired. I don't know. <laughs> after being transfigured. Um, Sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but he's it's he sounds like he's frustrated with them um and but then he says like if you just even have a little bit of faith and so i kind of wonder if kind of what you're saying is it more about like what we have faith in rather than the amount that we have like like maybe they had faith in their own abilities because they had gone out and cast out demons in his name and everything and they're probably wondering like why couldn't we do it this time well maybe they weren't maybe they weren't relying on god yeah, yeah that's good also, shortly after that passage, we have an instance where these people that they don't even know are casting out demons in Jesus' name. Right. And they're successful. Ah. Uh, poor so, disciples. They're like, oh, yeah. Which one was it? Was it John? They're not part of our group. Yeah. I love that because it sounds it sounds like youth group. It's we like, didn't go here. We have clicks. 
I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have clicks, and they're not in the click, and we should stop them. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I love Jesus' response. He's like, um, don't stop them. <laughs> um, what it, else I got to you guys? It does seem to be like there's some level of contention uh, among the disciples at this particular point in time, like with each other. And if yeah, I think so. And if you think about what's been happening, it kind of makes sense. They're I mean, arguing about who's the greatest. They're arguing about who's the greatest, and like Jesus literally just took only three of them up on the mountain. They saw this oh, like incredible yeah. thing. Jesus had just told Peter that he would be the foundation of the church. It makes sense that they oh, would jealousy. be like insecure nice. and jealous and uncertain. Do you think um, Judas was like, yeah, I'm definitely not. <laughs> He's like, oh, man. <laughs> Judas was just walking in the back of the line counting his silver pieces. <laughs> and he Wait. counted them every day just to make sure he didn't lose any. <laughs> Yikes. And then, well, and then Peter asks Jesus how many times he's supposed to forgive somebody. Yeah. So you, I mean, I think that's a good hypothesis. So what is 70 times seven? <laughs> if it's so high, we can't count. <laughs> then, okay. Okay. <laughs> then maybe we should just. Forgive listen, people all the time. <laughs> listen, I've forgiven you 70 times 7, and that's, the whole, that's what Jesus said. Now I'm done. <laughs> um, I mean, to give a serious answer, I mean, 7 is the number of completeness in the Bible. So I would say don't forgive or forgive people until your forgiveness is complete. Like it's, mm. yeah. you can't forgive them anymore because they're already forgiven. <laughs> I'm, I'm continuing to look at the context here. Um of what? It, it's re- like the, the context of what's happening to the actual disciples. So there's some division with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're unable to cast out this spirit. Jesus is... Cont- no, I feel kind of bad for him. <laughs> yeah. And actually, and then he, and then attached to that, um, well, like they get in this fight about who's the best. Jesus is upset about that. Um, but at the end of that movement of story or whatever, uh, Jesus ends up telling them how to correct each other. He ends up telling them how to forgive each other. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It all correlates. It, it is kind of interesting You're right. how it all tracks together. Um, I think we should talk about the kids. The kids? I just like knocked my head against the microphone. What Sorry, do you want to say about the kids? <laughs> um, well, they were probably the lowest of the low in that society. And Jesus is elevating them like crazy. Everyone listening to this is probably like, you want me to do what? <laughs> Um, and he keeps referring back to them. I just kind of noticed this for the first time that like, if with all of these different passages, he's like, and if like, he keeps calling them these little ones. And so it's like, it's not just that paragraph where he's talking about the kids, but he keeps referring back to them. Um, it's like, if we lead these little people astray, then, um, there's like serious consequences, like losing limbs and eyes. <laughs> Which Jesus is kicking it old school. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> Spooky. Um, it is October. Spooked over. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think about that? Like how much emphasis he puts on children? Uh, certainly his emphasis on children is kind of lost on us because we, we, we overemphasize children probably. <laughs> yeah. We, we certainly view children differently than they would have. And Jesus causing children to be like a central point of what he's up to is pretty scandalous for sure. Um, he, he's actually been leading up to this. It's like, wait, you're going to include women. Okay. We're not sure about that, but I guess we'll let it slide. <laughs> and it's like, wait, you're going to include kids. Oh, what? <laughs> you mean everybody gets saved in this scenario? <laughs> the system is terrible. seems like everybody has a chance. But yeah, I mean, 
anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So you think about in the cultural context, as humble as this little child, anyone who becomes the lowest of the low without any value whatsoever is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Like that he's saying that to people. I mean, not now, but back then that would have been crazy. I'm like trying, I'm thinking about my five-year-old and I'm like, how is she humble? (laughs) (laughs) Like she is. It's just interesting because she'll, uh, well, she's like open to correction. She's open to, I mean, she'll believe now she's getting older. So now this is fading away a bit, but like (laughs) she'll believe whatever you tell her. Right. So like, (laughs) how do you know that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like, if I tell her that Jesus is real, maybe she hasn't had her personal experience, but she believes it right now. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, I'm sure Jesus was like, would you just believe me? I'm the Messiah. (laughs) But like we, our intelligence gets in the way, but, um, yeah, I'm just trying to think. But then at the same time, like she purposely rebels and makes decisions that aren't good, and she knows it all the time. So when Jesus is talking about little children, I'm like, I'm just trying to understand, like, what part of children. (laughs) (laughs) It's humble. (laughs) Yeah, because I see how they are. I get that. But, like, and at the same time, they're willing to just, like, break the rules in a second. Right. Right. And But so, like, culturally, back then, I think the humility comes from, like, they these children would have known that they aren't worth anything like until they can like make a life for themselves or be old enough to serve in the synagogue or the temple or whatever if they're jewish then like they aren't worth anything and so we we have such a different view of kids right now like i would never say my kids aren't worth anything right but like that would have been the belief back then yeah um and then the kids probably believed it about themselves yeah. And how, how crazy would that have been to have somebody like talk to them like that, that they probably never would have had a conversation like that with anybody else, especially yeah. an adult male. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Anything else to got to you guys? Guys, today? Matthew 18. Oh, okay. Let's talk about it. Uh, oh, you're talking about um, conflict resolution? Yeah, but there's something unique in this. <laughs> there, no, there's something unique here that doesn't get a lot of press, I think, sometimes. Okay. Oh, yeah. um, because <laughs> Let's talk about the thing that doesn't get a lot of one press. Of, one of the hilarious, cheesy things that Christians do is, like, if you're in a conflict and you're, you're like, put your head down and say, Matthew 18, and you just, like, head in to work it out. And it's, like, crazy. And you have crazy <laughs> eyes. I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen it happen. I'm like, what is going on right now? <laughs> I've been a, part, I've been a part of a conversation where I'm the third person that, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. That is my de- worst nightmare. Depending on your uh, <laughs> depending on your faith circle, your your relationship with Matthew eighteen could be unique. Um, okay, but there's something interesting that Jesus says here that I I think gets passed over a lot um, because you get the you oftentimes get the feel that the idea is uh, confront a person personally, confront a person with a group, confront a person with the church, and then they're gone. Right? Okay. So this is which. <laughs> Maybe an overstatement, and then they're gone. I actually raised my hands up over my head when I said that. And I that. actually <laughs> said yes with a nod of my head that you did not hear. Okay, so this is important to note, and I, I, it's just important to wrestle with and, and think about, I think. Um, this is how Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, and this is how he wraps it up. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, saying, treat them like a pagan or a tax collector. What has been the central message of Jesus' ministry 
at this time. Pagan and tax collectors are welcome. Pursuing pagans and tax collectors. Um, so it, it is interesting that oftentimes when we teach this passage, we assume that pagan and tax collector means gone and worthless and not valuable. Jesus would actually turn that on its head and say pagans and tax collectors are super valuable and should be pursued to the ends of the earth so that they can be brought back into the fold, which is actually the story that was right before this. It's like, hey, if you have a, if you have a wandering sheep, go get it. Um, if you have somebody that has a ton of debt, make sure you forgive it. And so I'm not sure that the meaning of this thing is like, well, if they don't listen, kick them out. Right. I think it may actually be wow. if they don't listen, pursue them. Um, and it, and I can respect both sides. I can respect people that... Because yeah, we have some instances in the epistles where... Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> you want to get into that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the epistles, you'll see like one of the most famous ones is in First. First Corinthians 5, right. there's a man who is in an inappropriate relationship, and the church is celebrating it, which is kind of weird. Um, and Paul's like all about, like, get that guy out, right? But in Second Corinthians, Paul's checking in on that guy, like, right. why is he not back yet? Up. Where is he? Did you go get him? So it, it's very, very possible to read over this passage and see it as a passage about pursuit and not excommunication. Right. Hmm. He, was, he was gone for a period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, removed. I mean, like Paul actually says, like, hand him over to Satan, basically. Um, but or Peter. <laughs> but redemption. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Satan, otherwise known as Peter. Oh. Um, redemption is, is often the goal. And I think that recognizing that is really important because church discipline is important. It's something we don't talk about very often, but it is still valuable. Um, but oftentimes we drop it at step three. Hmm. Where it's like, well, we cast you out. We, and it's like, yeah, no, we did no, 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 guys, this is a four-step process yeah. where we're supposed to pursue re- restoration. Remember that part? Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, and then going into forgiveness is mm-hmm. like, this, this is radical forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Where did Peter get the, like, the number seven? Was that a thing or is that him just venturing? I've heard a lot seven? of times that he's just trying to show off. There, like, there was, what, um, seven? I forget what the number... <laughs> There is there is a number that he's trying to outdo. I forget what the number is, but there was like a rabbinical understanding of how many times you're supposed to forgive people. Mm-hmm. And Peter is using a number that's higher than that. Mm-hmm. I was reading, no, listening. I don't know. Someone said something um, that like a mark of believers should be repentance and forgiveness. Yeah. Always. Just like always repenting, always forgiving. And that seems to be what Jesus is explaining here. Well, and, and this again, like the second part of Matthew 18 is this radical story about a guy that owed millions of dollars right. and was like radically forgiven. And then he went out and like choked some guy cause he owed him a couple oh. bucks. Um, it reminds me a lot about Luke 15 with the, the prodigal son where the, really the, the bad guy in the story is actually not the prodigal son. It's the son that stayed home the whole time and is just furious that his brother would even have the gall to come back. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh wait, this is a message for the church. Actually, we're supposed to be thrilled about people who turn from wickedness regardless of their story you know we should be excited about that yeah mark 9 14 when they returned to the other disciples they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them when the crowd saw jesus they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him what is all this arguing about jesus asked One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. 
Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, Since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear or speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this kind can only be cast out by prayer. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, You're faithless and corrupt people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Luke 9.37 The next day, after they had come down off the mountain, a large crowd met Jesus. A man in the crowd called out to him, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son, my only child. An evil spirit keeps seizing him, making him scream. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It batters him and hardly leaves him alone. I begged your disciples to cast out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said, You faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you and put up with you? Then he said to the man, Bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. Awe gripped the people as they saw this majestic display of God's power. Mark 9.30 Leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later he will rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what it meant. Matthew 17.22 After they gathered again in Galilee, Jesus told them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead and the disciples were filled with grief. Luke 9.43 While everyone was marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen to me and remember what I say. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. But they didn't know what he meant. Its significance was hidden from them, so they couldn't understand it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Matthew 17.24 On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, 
What do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. Mark 9.33 After they arrived in Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, What were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer, because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him, and said, Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but my Father who sent me. Matthew 18.1 About that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. Luke 9.46 Then his disciples began arguing about which of them was the greatest. But Jesus knew their thoughts, so he brought a little child to his side. Then he said to them, Anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me also welcomes my Father who sent me. Whoever is the least among you is the greatest. Mark 9.38 John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. Don't stop him, Jesus said. No one who performs a miracle in my name will soon be able to speak evil of me. Anyone who is not against us is for us. If anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. Luke 9.49 John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, Don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand than to go into the unquenchable fire of hell with two hands. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter eternal life with only one foot than to be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It's better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the magnets never die and the fire never goes out. For everyone will be tested with fire. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Matthew 18.7 What sorrow awaits the world because it tempts people to sin? Temptations are inevitable, but what sorrow awaits the person who does the tempting? So if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one hand or one foot than to be thrown into eternal fire with both of your hands and feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Beware that you don't look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels are always in the presence of my heavenly Father. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? 
Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills to go search for the one that's lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it's not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If another person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say will be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you the truth, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors had brought in who o- one who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man who had forgiven the debt and said, You evil servant, I forgave you of that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid for his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.